There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the WIM podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing, or WIM for short, is a first-of-its-kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing, advertising trends, and get real about women in business. Our mission is to network, to foster leaders within this exciting industry, and to share information to make our work stronger. That's where this podcast comes in. We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts. And of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim.com. Today, we're speaking with Pam Zapata, who has a decade of industry experience working in talent and influencer relations, integrated marketing, casting, production, and content development. She's an East Coast girl turned LA girl and is finally back in EST. Currently, Pam is a senior director of influencer marketing at Star Power, working on Estee Lauder influencer strategy and partnerships. Pam is a powerhouse in the industry, a friend, and someone that you want to know. Pam, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you for being with us. I am super stoked for everyone to sort of get your uh, opinions about a lot of things and sort of like learn about you and your journey. Um, So let's just jump right into it, shall we? Cool. So the one thing that I've always, always loved about this industry is that everybody arrives at it from a different place. Um, I think it's really fascinating. Like people come to it from just such a variety of different places. So I'd love to hear and everybody else would love to hear about your career path and how you made it to where you are today. Yeah. So um, initially I went to school for broadcast journalism and I thought I wanted to be a host. And shortly thereafter, graduating, realized I didn't. Um, But I knew I wanted to do something in television, and I just wasn't sure what that looked like. So um, I went to Emerson College. They had an L.A. program, so I moved to L.A. right after graduation and did an internship um, at Disney Channel and and casting and talent, which was really cool. Then interned at E!, which I absolutely loved. Um, And then from there, got a job at Ryan Seacrest Productions working in development. So really developing show ideas, scripted, unscripted, uh, dating series, game shows, all kinds of things. Um, from there, I wanted to really understand what happens once a show is sold, right? Because in the development phase, you're just developing the idea and selling it out, and then it goes into production. So worked on uh, Shots of Sunset, which is my, my Bra- Bravo show, is my first production, which was like such an interesting show. I was going to say, that's quite a production. <laughs> <laughs> and worked on casting for that show. So that's casting awesome. really entailed like going around Los Angeles and finding people for the show, like which was just such an interesting experience. Because yeah, yeah. once you, you know, go to bars and walk up to people and like, you know, feel their personality and see if they're like good for a show, like you can literally do anything. Like it takes a lot of courage to do that. Mm. So I think that was really fun for me and really finding talent. Um, I remember my first, the first person that I found 
Uh, I pitched to my boss, and my boss pitched to uh, Bravo, and they loved her. Her name's Lily Galici. She's like a massive influencer now, which is super cool. She like runs Lily Lashes, and she's just like a powerhouse. Uh, she's just amazing. So um, that was the first time that I actually had casted uh, anything, and from there I was like, oh, this is cool. I love working with talent. I think it's so interesting, and I think going to school for journalism, I think I was really interested in like, what's, what are people's stories? Like, how do we relay the story on TV? So I think that was kind of my entry into like the casting world. I really wanted to experience working at a network. Um, and so I went back to E, worked in um, research and program planning and development and understanding kind of like how the network functions, how scheduling happens, you know, what's a strong lead in, you know, and basically just how the it's a 24-hour network, right? So how it really runs. So that was really in, that was really interesting, just to understand like the business of how a network functions. And then from there, I worked in casting and talent um, for about two years, where it was really functioning as the casting department for the network. So whether it was a reality TV show or a game show or unscripted TV or an influencer or digital series, whatever the case was, we um, <clears throat> handled casting for that. Um, so that was super cool because you guys, you get to see all kinds of personalities. Obviously, E is like a massive network with tons of different shows. From there, I went to work at uh, Melrose and Park, which is under Style Hall, and worked in management for a minute, which was really cool just to really see um, how influencer marketing really works. You know, on the management side, you have clients and you're really developing and creating and figuring out what their career trajectory looks like, and I really liked that. Um, <clears throat> after that, I went to a startup called Sweetie High, which was a Gen Z focused platform, and it was talent relations, production, and um, integrated marketing. I uh, did that for about two years and then decided to come back to the East Coast. Uh, I missed my family, and I just like feel like I needed a change of pace. Um, and it has been a change of pace, <laughs> to say the least. Welcome to New York. In the last year, it has been crazy. Um, I worked at UEG. And our main client was Unilever, so worked on a lot of personal care brands and worked on the influencer marketing there. And then from there, I came to Star Power, which is where I'm at now. And our main client is Estee Lauder, and so really beauty-focused. Um, under the Estee Lauder umbrella, there's 19, 19 brands ranging from you know beauty to skincare to hair. So it's really interesting just to kind of see how these different industries function and the strategy involved with you know marketing, you know a shampoo versus like a foundation. So it's been really, really, it's been a really interesting journey and really exciting and it's just crazy how like the how just the world and the wind blows and just where you end up after you know thinking you want to do one thing and then ending up in a completely different place well that's kind of what I wanted to get at I mean yeah. you, there was like a there's a clear transition when I heard your background about yeah. like just working in traditional which is like tv and mm -hmm. like network tv specifically and then transitioning I guess the first one was probably when you transitioned to style hall mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. Melrose and Park so like what where were you at those days like did you know people who were making those transitions to yeah. like what brought you to it in the first place I didn't know anyone that was that I didn't know anyone that worked there I think I was just interested because on the casting side I had been doing casting for so long and I just like I, I knew it like the back of my hand and I was kind of looking for like the next evolution of it right so it's like you find you you know you have a show concept you cast for that show and then the show goes on the air and then it's, you know, maybe on to the next season, maybe not. And I wanted something that I could kind of like really develop and build. And I wasn't sure what that was. And the opportunity came about to you know, work um, at Merles and Park. And I was like, you know, this is interesting. I really like find this fascinating to really be able to, you know, build a relationship with talent and figure out, you know, what does your career look like? What direction do you want to go in? And like, 
I've always like kind of had like a mentor-ish type of, um, I would say personality. Like I, I feel like I really like to figure out like what people's story, what, what are their journeys, what drives them, what motivates them, and to find to kind of find a place at Merrill's in Park to kind of do that was really cool. And it was kind of like the first my entry point into like this influencer world like really heavily. Yeah, I love that. And so like having had worked in this industry for a while now and certainly seeing all different sides of it, like what would you say is the most interesting aspect of the influencer side of things? It's just I think I personally I strongly believe influencer marketing is the strong one of the strongest forms of marketing, if not the strongest form of marketing. I believe that in my heart of hearts because you can really really track conversion and I think it's really effective, right? I think the way that people are consuming media too is just shifting and like Gen Z is different than the millennials and like it's just the way that the marketing world is 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 going, it's just everything is digital now and it's like figuring out how to keep up and also like budgets are just being allocated towards influencers now because you could just relate to an influencer was such a like interesting word, right? Because sometimes it has a negative connotation, but I feel like when you do it right, when you integrate your product with a person, I guess you want to say influencer, but someone that has a built-in audience that really relates to them and can feel like, oh, this is me or this is this person's aspirational or I want to be this person. I think that's so much more powerful than traditional talent endorsing like a fragrance. Like I just think like you can, there's a better connection there. Yeah, because there's like distance between a traditional like celebrity talent Mm -hmm. versus like an influencer. Like, because you, I don't know, I try to always like, take off my industry hat and just be like a straight up consumer Mm -hmm. and when the people that I follow like there's this this idea you don't really see the business side like it's it's almost like a little secret Mm -hmm. you know that like this is what they do for a living and there's so much that goes into it and if you're really just a fan you're a fan of them it's not about what they're like how they're selling well it's also a testament to probably how they're selling things Mm -hmm. (laughs) that it is kind of like swift the way that they're doing it and like and, and very natural um, but yeah, I think it's like that natural element to it and mm-hmm. the fact that it's like, it's just like a, a more modern day of like word of mouth. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's a friend. I love it. It's I, a friend. I think it's super effective and I think it's the future. And it's like, there's so many different kinds of influencers mm-hmm. out there, you know, and like, it depends on what platform you really enjoy the most. Like, what do you enjoy the most personally? Um, I'm probably on Instagram more than anything else. I also really like LinkedIn. Yeah. It's just like the, it's just. It depends on my mood or, like, I think I recently started using LinkedIn a lot more because I just just stay on top of, like, industry trends, like, what are people talking about? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very different than Instagram, but I think um, I've recently started using that more. But Instagram is probably my go-to. Any um, tips and tricks for people listening of how to, like, best navigate through LinkedIn? Um, I don't I, – I follow a lot of people. I think, like, following the right people is important just mm-hmm. because, like – I mean, I follow people who are, like, head of Fortune 500 companies to, like, influencers to, like, entrepreneurs. And LinkedIn, I feel like LinkedIn was the first company to actually use the word influencer. And they still do. Like, if you're a LinkedIn influencer, those are those people who are, like, you know, CEOs of, like, a Fortune 500 company. They're called LinkedIn influencers. Really? I didn't know that. Check it out next time you're on the platform. Oh, my God. Yeah. I didn't know that. So, like, who knew? LinkedIn was so, like, cool. Yeah. Ahead of a Ahead of of the curve. Yeah. 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 Um, But, yeah. I definitely, I do like LinkedIn. People should, like, use it a lot more. I have friends who are like, oh, I don't even have one. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. No, it's, it's a great way to connect. I mean, 
you know, even a whim has a, a page on LinkedIn that you can tag yourself as a part of to say, like, I'm part of that community um, it, for exactly that purpose, to mm-hmm. just connect with people in the industry. And um, yeah. people are just sharing really interesting articles on there. Yeah, 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 That's yeah. what I see, too, yeah. you know, yeah. like really relevant industry things. People are also creating original content mm-hmm. on LinkedIn, not mm-hmm. necessarily like video content or anything like that, but like yeah. certainly writing like thought pieces, yeah. Um, yeah. which are really interesting and shareable on there. So LinkedIn, I like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and so shifting gears a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, you know, the in most of your roles that you've been in, when you're looking for new talent mm-hmm. for whatever project, but let's say it's influencer specific, what characteristics do you take into consideration? That's such a loaded question. So yeah. I just want you to run with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it depends on the brand. I think it depends on the brand. Really, every ask is different. But I think for the most part, making sure you're, whoever you're casting is brand friendly. I think like that's the number one thing. Like okay. no flipping the bird or no not too much cleavage or nothing too sexy. Like you have to remember that you have to stay marketable. And it's like maybe there is a brand for that type of influencer, but there's just so many more opportunities if you can be brand friendly. So sure. I think that's like the number one thing I would tell influencers is just like be brand friendly, try not to swear, you know, keep it PC. And most <laughs> of the brands that are working, that are looking for brand friendly talent are realistically the ones with the most budgets yeah, too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that's like the number one thing. I think like nice to have, like if you have a nice aesthetic that's like pleasing to the eye, I think that's always great because then it shows that you like care about your feet and like the brands love that sometimes. Um, I think um, I love, di- I mean, diversity and talent. Like I'm always looking for diverse talent, you know. Mm-hmm. You want to represent all people from all walks of life, right? So I think like that's something that I really care about and really passionate about. Um, so that's like the number, probably like top three things that I look at when mm-hmm. I'm like trying to put together a list of influencers for like one of my clients. And like when someone really stands out, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you've narrowed it down to like a list of like 10 people and you're like, all right, these people are incredible, but like, I want to make my top recommendation. Mm -hmm. Like, is there, you know, people talk about an it factor when it comes to, like, an actor or something or, like, a model or whatever. Like, is there an it factor in the influencer space? And if there is, how could you, what would you, how would you describe that? I mean, I feel like there is. I feel like whoever has the it factor makes the list. But I think maybe when I try to narrow down that list, I think it's engagement. I think, Mm -hmm. like... Making sure they hit the threshold for like number of followers, but I think engagement is re- is really important, like especially when we're vetting, um, and real engagement, right? Not like fake followers or fake bots. Like we do a lot of like heavy vetting to make sure that like these are real people and that your followers are real. So don't buy followers because that just like doesn't make sense, and we have tools to see that. So mm-hmm. I think like a lot of influencers who want to like get ahead fast just like buy followers and then think they're like in the game and a lot of brands like some brands that don't do their due diligence do partner with those influencers but like if you're working with like the bigger brands they will most likely like use agencies that do extreme betting which we do so i think like making sure it's real authentic engagement and um that it's brand friendly and that they have some sort of it factor or something that I'm like, oh, this I can market or like this makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah. I mean, that maybe sets them apart. Like, because yeah. maybe the it factor is just like their unique factor. Yeah, or some, yeah, something that sets them apart. Yeah, because yeah. I think like 
But I think that's different for everyone, right? Like it could be. Yeah, yeah. it just depends on. I think it really just depends on the brand and what the ask is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so, conversely, what are the most common mistakes that influencers make? Yeah, I feel like cursing. Um, I mean, cursing, flipping the bird in photos, uh, swearing in like text or videos, or just being too sexy or too. Or, I, in my opinion, like that's that's a mistake. So I just feel like you're limiting who, like partners that you could potentially work with. So because from an influencer's perspective, like to be devil to play a devil's advocate, yeah. right? Like they're like, well, I know my audience, you know, and yeah. this is just my audience. Yeah. I guess like which the, I totally get. Sure. Which I totally get. But also you have to understand that in that there's also brands that are just not gonna work with you. Sure. And it's like and that's fine. Like if that's right. what you wanna do, like I never wanna force anyone to, to be something that's not them. Like mm-hmm. if that's what they wanna do and that's that's more important to them than like a brand partnership with X brand, then that's mm-hmm. fine. And what about once they've been hired by a brand mm-hmm. and you know there's a partnership that is, you know, sign sale delivers, a contract made. What are common mistakes you've seen after at that point that influencers make? Um, I think like in their content or like just like, like throughout the partnership. Throughout the partnership, yeah. Um, maybe like, you know, maybe advert like like intentional mistakes, mm-hmm. but like most I would assume are even unintentional. They might yeah. just not know. Like what advice could you give them? Things I that mean, you've seen. Exclusivity. Sure. Don't, don't overstep on your yeah, exclusivity. Okay. That's like number, probably number one. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> Be on time with your content. I think like we're held accountable from our clients to like have content on dates that we provide. Based or be off early. Of yeah. Being early is great. Added value content goes a long way. Mm-hmm. I think like and I get a lot of influencers like I'm not gonna do this, but like if you like the product and you use you start using it organically in your in your content, like mm-hmm. that for us is like yes, like they're they love this product and we're getting so much added value content, like we want to partner with them again. Like and, that is like And I have a question. Mm-hmm. So when influencers do decide to create like added value content, additional content that they're not contracted to do. Did they always like come to you and say like, "Hey, look what I did," or are you just finding it? Sometimes we find it, but we like when when they're like, "Hey, look what we just did." Of like, course, like, right? We, we, so we don't have time to like go through everything. Like, sure. some sometimes we'll have brands that are like, "Oh, we're so excited! This person did this," and um, but I think it's great if like they come to me and they're like, "Hey, I use this in all of these videos." Like, just want you to know, like that for us is great, and it's not like. It's it, it it's it's good to know. Like mm-hmm. it's not, it doesn't come off as like, are you gonna pay me or like make sure you extend this partnership. It comes off as like, no, I really love this product and mm-hmm. like I'm using it on an organic level and I'm not getting paid for it. Like we love that. And so my question is, I'm speaking like as an influencer, like if the influencer brings that to you and you genuinely are like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Thank mm-hmm. you. Does the brand also really have that same reaction? Like, does they it do. does it trickle down from the brand? Yeah, because well? we share it. We share it with the brand whenever yeah, sure, we see it. Sure. If we see it, or if they share it with us, and like the brand gets excited for sure. I mean, the, the brand's trying to stretch their dollars as sure. much as far as they can go. So sure. any added value, anything, yeah. goes a long way. Yeah, hundred percent. To know, that's good to know. Yeah, and then you know, who would you like to see that? hasn't been shown before we're talking about like that unique quality or that like Mm -hmm. it factor you know maybe like sharing that they um had added value content you know Mm -hmm. so what are what could influencers be doing that you think would really benefit them that so few of them are doing i think 
Um, I think one of when I was having this conversation with one of our, one of our brands is, is that like there are influencers who are like we really want to partner or agents that are like or one of my clients really wants a partnership with XYZ and I'm like okay great can you post can can we just see that this person's already a fan of the brand can they just like post it and it's not like out of value because it's not they're not contracted but like we want to see organic usage of that product and make sure that this is actually implemented or is a part of their skincare routine or hair routine or makeup routine just so we know that like it's authentic to them right i think that's something that really helps when an agent or a manager's pitching like hey by the way like one of my clients is using all of these products and they're part of your portfolio like we'd love to do a partnership one day and like that for us is like great because when we're casting we'll go back and we'll say oh like this person loves this brand Mm -hmm. and they use it all the time and that for us is like the best type of partnership when it's like already organic Mm -hmm. we want to do something bigger and we know it's going to resonate, like, mm-hmm. I think that's, like, hitting the ball out of the park for us. And, like, how much notice would you want, right? Like, if they're, like, I would love to do a partnership with you, you know, obviously they're thinking, like, mm-hmm. tomorrow. Yeah. Realistically, like, how long would it take for you to, like, take that ask, you know, share with it who you need to share with it with, yeah. assuming that they already use it and they've shown that, mm-hmm. you know, how much time does that take? Like, how much notice would you, would they, would you like? I mean, it depends because, like, asks, like, we're, we cast at different points throughout the year depending on, like, what, what's happening. And so it's, like, for us, whenever it happens, just share it with us because you never know when we're casting for something just because sometimes we have a need, sometimes you don't. So it'll be, like, it'll be good to know just in case we have something coming up or if we have something going on. I think, mm-hmm. like, whenever it happens, just, I, I think, share it. I feel like there's no right or wrong time. Mm-hmm. So like. the timing's not as important what about the how how they share with you like mm. meaning is it gonna be bothersome for them to like follow up with you or you know how do you like to be approached yeah I think it's like I think it's fine to share it and say hey guys like my clients love your products here is all her all of these organic posts right I think that's great I think that's a good keep in mind and I, I don't think for me it's not bothersome um but it's hard with like if two weeks later they're like, hey, just following up, like look at all these posts. And I'm like, okay, great. I'm not casting right now. I don't really have a need, but I have this person in mind, right? So it's like timing is important, but it's also hard to, to tell when that time is because it just depends on where we are in a campaign, where we are in planning. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many factors that like a lot of times it's just like the right person reaching out at the right time with the right content. And I'm like, oh, great, I'm casting. Let me put this in. I'll pitch, I'll pitch them. We'll see what happens. And then sometimes we're just not casting. So mm-hmm. it's like we're in the middle of a campaign. So it's like, okay, good to know. So it's like weird. Like it's, you can't really tell when is a good time. It's so maybe just, it's just asking you. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like yeah. maybe it's just like after I've come and you're like, okay, thanks for letting me know. It's like, you know, when can I, when is a good time to follow up about this? Yeah. I think that's fair. Right? Yeah. I think that's fair. Okay. Yeah. No, all good. <laughs> People, it's so funny. Like so, a lot of the times on this podcast, we'll talk about like, what might seem like obvious things. Mm-hmm. But I feel like sometimes people don't talk about those enough and assume that mm-hmm. everybody's on the same page. And yeah. what I find is more often than not, they're not on the same really? page about <laughs> that stuff at all. Um, so we try to visit some of the more, quote unquote, obvious things yeah. too. Yeah. Um, it's helpful, you know, yeah. it's helpful to get everyone's perspective on some obvious things. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, what what do you think will be the next step in social media? I mean, you know, I think that in the news, like every, I was talking to someone about it today even, you know, she's like, what do you think about the fact that likes are going away on Instagram? Yeah. Like they're, like Instagram is making 
big moves, like with yeah. lots of uh, adjustments in their platform, things like that. You know, YouTube isn't really doing quite as much. Mm-hmm. So generally speaking, like in social, like what do you think is the next step? That's interesting. Is that actually happening? Because I read that it might happen, but I didn't know if it was actually happening. Like, I, I remember I, like a pilot or something for some accounts. Or mm-hmm. Like, I, I think that's really interesting. I think, I think it's interesting. I think it's, it's the brands. I don't don't know will be affected as much just because like, as long as we have the information that we need to know how this performed or not, mm-hmm. it's twofold though, right? So it's like, is the fact that people can't see how this is performing gonna affect the performance? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, then to that point, like, we're, we're still going to have the back-end metrics, but, like, are they going to be affected because of that? So it's like, I don't know. I think it's interesting. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what the new iteration of it is. I think it's interesting that that um, IGTV is actually, like, kind of killing it right now. Uh, like, that's something that I was like, that's never going to pick up. And, like, I think it's actually working really well for some influencers, posting videos there. They're performing well. Like, maybe we don't need the YouTubes anymore, but, like, brands still want YouTube. So it's just, like, fighting that battle. Um, I think people are trying to figure out the TikTok of it all because I think, obviously, it's a, it's a younger demographic, but it's a platform that there's a lot of users on. So I think brands are trying to figure that out. Um I don't know. I think I think it's interesting. I'd be curious to see where the Instagram thing goes because I think I'd, I'd be curious to see how that affects users on the platform, how that affects morale, right? Because I think, like, the biggest thing is that, like, people spend too much time on social media, so concerned of, like, likes and, you know, um, comments and engagement and all of that, um, which is interesting because that's, like, how we do our job is based off of that. So it's just, like, it's interesting because I'm curious to see how that plays out. So I love it. I love yeah. it. I love it because I feel like a like, like throwing somebody a like takes like a fraction of a second of mm-hmm. thought versus a comment mm-hmm. takes so much more, takes so much more thought and, and there's so much more um, sentiment mm-hmm. behind it. So, you know, everyone's looking for engagement. Like if I could articulate, you know, the most commonly requested metric uh, or just like concept that people are talking mm-hmm. about in 2019, it's like, all about engagement, mm-hmm. everything, right? Like no one is really talking about how many total followers anybody's having anymore. Mm-hmm. It's the percentage of engagement. And like the key, you know, part of that is certainly comments, mm-hmm. you know, versus likes. Yeah. And I feel, I mean, it's ultimately like forcing people, if they want to engage, that's how they're going to have to engage. Like mm-hmm. it's not like they, they can't just throw a like anymore. Yeah. So it's almost like forcing people to have more conversation and forcing you know, what some people might feel is like, like dumb social media mm-hmm. to be like really interesting, more complex, more thoughtful and more articulate social yeah, media because yeah, they're yeah. talking more, that's you know? That's true. No, that's a very valid point. Yeah. I'd be curious to see what happens. I'm so curious to see what happens. Like if it happens, when it happens, yeah. like how people respond. I mean, I feel like people in the industry have, have heard about this mm-hmm. like concept, mm-hmm. you know, being proposed, but like, you know, I don't think that it's like known yeah in you know yeah like the regular youtube user yeah, of instagram yeah, yeah, yeah. is really aware of it so super curious to see how it works out mm-hmm. um and so you know on the brand side you know we're talking about what they're looking for you know engagement you know comments likes versus likes what what else are brands looking for mm-hmm. today what are the brands that like the ones that are doing it really well. Let's just focus yeah. on those. 
Hmm, the ones that are doing it really well. I think the ones that are doing it really well don't force influencers to post, like are open to creative, different creative approaches, right? Because a lot of brands just want product in people's faces, right? But a lot of influencers are like, that doesn't work for my page. So I think like the brands that are doing it well are the brands that trust the influencers that they're ha- casting mm-hmm. to, to be creative. Like obviously product awareness is important. So we need the logo there somewhere because we need for the, the, you know, the consumer to know what is this product. But I think not having it blatant in your face, I think goes a long way because I feel like that, even as a consumer of social media, if I see that I'm already turned off and mm-hmm. it's like, we obviously brands want their you know logos in the front and center but like we know that that doesn't always work so it's just like i think the brands that are killing it are the brands that are doing it right and being very collaborative with the influencer and working with the influencer to see what creatively works well on their channel and for their audience i think that's like the best and every medium is so different exactly every medium is so different so like regardless of like the influencer and their specific audience like you know, a lot of brands are so used to doing, like, TV commercials or things like mm-hmm. that. And, like, that's such a different market. That's such a different yeah. medium to, like, display, like, and advertise on. Yeah. And it's a different sell. Mm-hmm. A, like, a different sales approach, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, I would say the influencers that are killing it with brand partnerships are really, truly just the best salespeople. Mm-hmm. Like, they were you know they used to sell clothes they used to sell makeup, makeup. like yeah. they used to sell stuff in a mall yeah, especially <laughs> these girls that are like a lot of the girls that are some of the mac did up programs with these women who were previous mac um, makeup artists mm-hmm. and like that is super cool because like these girls actually were makeup artists and like they just became massive influencers because of these this brand so mm-hmm. it's like it's really interesting it's really interesting because it's really psychological if you really break it down mm-hmm. um, of like what makes an effective influencer campaign. But at the end of the day, like we're all trying to like move the needle mm-hmm. and move product. Mm-hmm. And so the people who, the influencers who are most successful at it, they're just really killing it yeah. at selling. Mm-hmm. Like they're really like, and, and everybody has a different selling technique, Yeah, you know? So it's like their individual personal selling technique is just like on point yeah a hundred percent yeah definitely and so um we ask this of everybody on the Mm -hmm. podcast and i'm really excited to ask you so what do you wish that someone had told your younger self that would have given you a personal or professional advantage today i don't know if there's something that would have given me an advantage but I would definitely tell my younger self that it'll be fine mm-hmm. and that you'll get to where you want to be. Like, because yeah. I think as a woman in this, we talk about this a lot, we are always striving for this and that and we're just so hard on ourselves and we work so hard and it's really hard to turn it off. And I think like having that mentality, I think coming up in my career was great because I ended up like, I worked at places that I had dreamed of working for. So for me, it was like paying off. But I think like the stress of like, am I going to get this promotion or am I going to get this title or am I going to get the salary? Like, Pam, it's going to be fine. Like, you're going to get there. Enjoy the ride. Mm-hmm. And not that I didn't enjoy it because I loved, I loved all my experiences, but I think, like, the ease of, like, knowing, like, it'll, it's going to be fine would have been nice because I was always like, is it going to be fine? Am I going to have a quarter-life crisis? Is this going to work out? Like, mm-hmm. is, am I going to love this in, like, 10 years? Like, so I think just, like, trusting the process and trusting your path, like, I would have never know, known, like, nine years ago that I was going to end up working in influencer marketing. Like, there's no way. But I think, like, 
trusting the path and everything that I've done to this day has affected my current like current job like there's certain things that I learned in production that I learned in casting that I learned in like working with traditional talent that I've learned in I mean in everything that I'm contributing to like my current role so I feel like I would tell my younger self to calm down <laughs> it's gonna be fine and you're gonna get there and soak it all up too right yeah. like at each each part of the journey yeah. yeah even in the beginning when you're you know I mean I worked as a production assistant and that is not a glorious job no, you know you're not. cleaning bands you're getting lunches like and it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel but it builds character yes, and it, <laughs> it really does and you learn I think that's helpful too because then you learn when there are other PAs around how to treat them because you remember how you were treated as an intern or a PA and I think that is really important because there's a lot of people that just that think just because they've made it to X title or level that they can treat anyone who's below them a certain way. And I think, like, really paying your dues and really understanding that, I think you just pay it forward. I had someone who was just an amazing mentor and an amazing leader, even though I was, like, an assistant. And I think that, for me, went a long way. So I try to do that. I love that. And I feel like that that really um, that really shines from you. Like, I always get that feeling from you. Like, you are a hard worker and, like, grounded and humble, but, like, <laughs> you're so successful in what you, in whatever you put your mind to. And so, like, just, like, anyone listening, <laughs> we're like, please be more like Pam because yeah. I got to tell you, like, you know, you start to, you know, in hiring for different companies or just meeting, you know, younger kids and, you know, each generation kind of has its own shtick. But if, mm-hmm. if anything could sort of be consistent and be um, tried and true amongst different generations, like work ethic, I hope that doesn't yeah. go away. Yeah. I really hope that doesn't go away. I don't know. I think it, I don't think it will. I think, like, there are always going to be people. I think, obviously, the next generation is very different. But, and a lot of people have a bad taste in their mouth about Gen, about Gen Z, not Gen X. Gen Z, and they think, like, they're entitled and they're... But they're just so, I mean, I don't know. I, they're just so different. I'd be curious to see, like, I mean, some of them are in the workplace already. They're in their 20s. Like, Gen Z's, like, here. Mm-hmm. So I think that'll continue. I think in our industry, it's so competitive. You have to be hardworking because mm-hmm. there will be 20 people behind you that will take your spot. And let's talk about that for a second because, like, that's such, I mean, we're a female-dominated industry, which is something that's super, super unique about us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, we talk about this a lot in WIM. And, like, yeah, I agree. It is a very competitive industry. It's like, how do you navigate that as a woman? I think it's, like, I really value my relationships. And I think I think it's making sure you're building relationships, making sure you treat people the way they want to be treated, make sure you, like, you care about what you're doing, you're passionate, and that that shows, and that, like, surround yourself around the same type of people. Like, surround yourself around the people that you want to be and the be around, right? Because it's, like... I think that for that for me has been the most important thing is making sure you're surrounding yourself around people, like-minded people who feel the same, are ambitious as you, will drive you or push you to be better because I think that will help foster more of that. Like it's just a great it's a great trait to have. Yeah, absolutely. So surround yourself with people you want to be. Yeah. I love that. I think that's great. Pam, where can everyone find you if they want to get in touch with you? <laughs> You can find me at Pamela Zapata, one word, on Instagram, and Pamela Zapata on LinkedIn. 
Amazing. Mm-hmm. We love LinkedIn. Love LinkedIn. <laughs> and she'll she'll give you like extra attention if you reach out to her on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Slide into the not the DMs. Yeah, what is it on LinkedIn? Slide into the messages. Slide into her LinkedIn messages, and she'll get back to you, and you guys will connect. Pam, thank you so much for being on Thanks today. For me. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you everyone so much for listening. If you liked what you heard today, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. We love comments, so comment on this podcast and we may shout you out on our next episode. Join us next time and thanks for tuning in. Charles didn't have just any coronary artery disease. He had Charles's coronary artery disease. Michelle didn't have just any heart attack. She had Michelle's heart attack. At VCU Health Poly Heart Center, we know every heart is unique. And as Virginia's only nationally ranked heart program, we'll keep them beating healthy and strong. VCU Health Poly Heart Center. Learn more at vcuhealth.org heart.